Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Julie Keel, and with me today is Mike McPeak. Hello. And Jeff Sire is not with us today. He's been off to Blighty, good old London, and I believe he's back, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I know what it's like to travel and come back. He's just not quite ready for a podcast yet. So, Mike and I are going to carry on with The Running Man which is a 1987 movie where a wrongly convicted man must try to survive a public execution gauntlet staged as a TV game show. And it's also set in a time frame of 2015, which is real close to like where we are anyway. And I have to admit, I remember, you know, watching this show years and years ago and it and it left an impression mostly it left a really slimy impression of <laughs> Richard Dawson but um watching this again it's like so what i mean this is like like yeah okay we're there we've got everything here yeah <laughs> there's nothing sci- there's nothing fiction about any of this no and my my impression of this was well you know uh, this movie's got more cheese in the state of Wisconsin oh god didn't it oh <laughs> lord and talk about your your low budget flick oh yeah and but- you know, it- it you had know. big names. Oh yeah, I mean, it even had your former governor. Oh yeah, because it had two governors <laughs> wrestling, you know, killing each other on screen. Well, no, he walked away. Well, they had to fake his battle. But, well, they were uh, trying to kill each other. Each other. Yeah, yeah, supposedly, but uh, yeah, and I mean, and then he, they go and recycle his uh, Terminator line of "I'll be back," and this time it just felt. You, um, oh, there were recycled lines left, right, and center. You know. Well, well, yeah, and then they were cheesy. I mean, I, I pulled out a couple. Uh, I went to IMDb and and or, uh, and pulled out some of the quotes. Uh, when Richard Dawson buys it at the end and flies into the wall, uh, uh, Arnold will say, "You know, now that hit the spot." spot. Yeah. Oh, there oh. were several of them, and they were so. Out of context. I mean, that you just you were watching the movie, and all of a sudden there would be this this headshot, this cameo with this one line quip, and it's like, oh, really? I mean, Lord. Well, it was like it was written by a computer, and they just put this tagline in there. It said, "Insert cheesy line here" or something. Yeah, because it did. Like I said, it kind of took you a little bit out of the movie. Yeah. Well, even like when um, they, they were killed, amusing, but oh well. sort of. Well, I mean, like when they killed Sub Zero with uh, uh, strangling with barbed wire. You, you said, "What a pain, pain in the, in the neck. neck!" Yep. Yeah, it's just yeah, you know. And I, I was reading on there that the first choice for the director kind of backed out, and Arnold thought that may have made a difference in the uh, the way the movie was done. Well, yeah, I mean, Paul Michael Glaser was the director. You know, Starsky and Hutch fame. So mm-hmm. hello, <laughs> right there you go. Yeah, that might explain a lot. Right. And then while I was I was just kind of idling idly pers- uh, looking at some of the characters here, and I came across the one that played um, um, Dynamo. And I just something caught. Well, I saw that something about he had died shortly after the movie was done. But I got looking at him. He's actually an interesting person because. Um, See, he's a Dutch-born American actor who uh, was a wrestler that competed uh, in the Olympics. He's an operatic uh, bass baritone singer, and he was studying computer science at MIT. 
well-rounded individual yeah. there. Well, I'm just kind of thinking, yeah, you kind of, a wrestler, a, a opera singer, and computer science. Oh, yeah, they gel together real well. Right, and all at the top level. I mean, you're talking yeah. Olympic wrestling and plus MIT and, you know, well, opera. And, and you don't do opera for, you know, kicks. You put a little, that takes a little bit of work to be able to, he was in a production of, uh, uh, a funny thing happened on the way to the forums. I mean, he, you know, but he died at 34 from a, a heart uh, uh, heart disease or heart defect of some sort. But um, yeah, that just caught my attention that he was kind of a one of the interesting. Well, there's a lot of interesting actors. Like I say, two former governors, oh, Richard, yeah, Dawson. Richard Dawson, Mick Fleetwood. Yeah, it took I, I, me a while to figure out who he was. I was like, God, I know that guy. I know that guy. I know that guy. It's like, what? Well, I I saw that I caught it in the opening credits. So then I started looking for him. Otherwise, I might not have caught him there at the beginning. Yeah, me, uh, Mick Fleetwood and then uh, Dweezil Zap. Right. So then figure out where he was in the movie. He was one, one of the the little soldier guys that hung out with with Mick. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, so you had some really interesting people in there. Uh, it's just the movie was – I'm not going to say it's a bad movie, but I mean no. it was a little, little heavy on the cheese. But I mean it was um, entertaining. Yeah, and, and to be honest, it had a good message, which like I say rings really true. Because right. the stuff that it was talking about, I'm sorry, is just everyday life in 2013, you know. Right. Well, <laughs> well, you know, without taking out the death part, I mean, it's Oh, not... no, leave that in. That's part of it, too. Well, Seriously. no, but I mean, <laughs> if you take the death out, it's not a lot different than Survivor uh, or any of TV, uh, you know, these reality shows that we have on TV now. They haven't gotten to the point where they're killing people yet, I hope. Yet. For ratings. Yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and honestly, uh, I'm not sure about you, but it might not be TV that's gotten to killing people for ratings yet. But let me tell you, the web sure does because if I have to click on another link that says, you know, video captures teenager suicide. Uh, I, uh, anyway, yeah. yeah, the internet's a dark place. Yeah, um, uh, you know, and yeah, okay, so yeah, that is over there too, but. Um, you know, like I say, it, it, it's not a lot different than some of the reality shows that we got. And then, you know, and I think, yeah, this role was made for Richard Dawson because if you want to find a, I don't want to say sleazy, but kind of somewhat creepy yeah. uh, game show host, um, even when he was on The Family Feud, he kind of gave off that kind of weird, creepy, yeah, vibe. Yeah. Which is, which you know, I can't, I got it. I had to step back a little bit on that because yes, he comes, and, and again, that was probably one of my big impressions from watching this years ago is that Richard Dawson was just a sleazy creep, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, while he has some of the same mannerisms and, you know, uh, whatever, um, it, uh, the, the, you're right, he was the perfect character because he really just carried over his regular game show host personality to the running man and then you know twisted it just slightly mm-hmm. just, just slightly just no. slightly yeah and i mean i can believe i mean i've never had anything to do with you know news organizations or tv or anything like that and all what oh. i have seen is from tv but i can perfectly see them going hey you know let's see you know if we kill them this way we can get boost our ratings or something i i can oh. just they do that all the time, having been on the periphery, having had the national news come to town to do stories, yeah. and being in the middle of a freaking soap opera currently, 
um, that's being played out in the newspapers. Let me tell you, what actually happens and the way the news presents it are two completely different things. And when, you know, the, the, the lady, whatever her name is in the show, I've forgotten already, ah, um, kind of, you know, realizes that she looks up at the news and, the, and it, they're hauling away two dead bodies of a security guard or whatever. She's like, that didn't happen that way. That's a lie. I'm like, yeah, welcome to the news. You know, they make up whatever story they want. Well, you know, they, nobody's ever quite disproved the theory of if it, if it bleeds, it leads. Uh, right. That seems to be a kind of a motto for uh, news organizations, especially like television news. Anything that'll kind of, you know, now nowadays we call it link bait or whatever. That thing yep. that'll get you to click on there and get you to go to that that page and look at it. Um, so I mean, that I could, you know, in a twisted way, I could perfectly see that playing out in that universe that they have created there that you know let's just hey let's throw another gladiator or whatever stalker is what they call them i guess in there and they were kind of blowing through them like uh you know uh Kleenex, um, well, which was unusual, apparently. I mean, you got the right. impression that their gladiators, um, you know, pretty much just had a cakewalk most of the time, and, and it was just this particular situation where, you know, not only one was killed, but multiple ones were killed. So, you know, but it, yeah, it was interesting to see how the crowd responded to that, too, because I'm sorry, that's pretty doggone realistic as well. Yeah, I mean, I. You know, and this this movie kind of shares some similarities with, with the Hunger, Hunger Games. Games. That's yes. exactly what I thought every time I was doing this. This is this is the same trope, the same, you know, uh, yep. archetypal story of the Hunger Games. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to get down to the subplot, it's it's kind of the same that they're using this as a method to reinforce the government's uh, stance on. You know, society that they're trying to control it and re- and remind people that this could be you. This could be uh, you know, you could be put into this game, into the arena. All you have to do is step over the line. So I mean, it's a, um, or, a psychological warfare that they're waging with their citizens. Right, and 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 oh, there are so many parallels with the Hunger Games. Honest to God, somebody took the exact same things and said, "Oh, let's just create it in a different environment," and you know, and the Running Man became Hunger Games. It's the same thing where a citizen is pulled out essentially at random. You have no idea, you know, and what wasn't mentioned in the synopsis, it said a wrongly convicted man. It was a wrongly convicted police officer who Mm. refused to fire on a crowd of innocent civilians, innocent unarmed civilians um, who were basically in line waiting for food. Um, So, you know, um, the, the idea that... Anybody can be pulled out of a crowd, and the minute they're named, the minute they're named and, or pointed to, everybody backs away from them. You know, it's it's like the Dawn dishwashing soap. You know, you drop yep. that thing into the grease, and boom, everything just you know goes away. Um, and somehow, you know, they're not like you. It's it's it, the mental games that 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 uh, people will do when that happens you know it's like you know they did something to deserve that they they earned that place that rather than it was a completely random thing and that could have been me um and boy that's your kind of there's there's that aspect and then there's also the guilt by association so you want to get away from that person so you don't get sucked in their little vortex yep kind of the way that um, Maria uh, Conchita Alonzo's character was drawn in because she realized that it was wrong and she decided she was going to do something while well, they found her and threw her into the game too right. just to shut her up. Yep. 
Yeah, it's it, the and and you know if you want to continue the parallels with the Hunger Games, you know obviously you're hunting humans for sport. Um, you've also got the wide TV audience um, who sponsors things, you know, who who picks the opponents yep. and that kind of thing. Plus, you've got at the end the computers coming in to change the outcome or change the uh, uh, challenge, I guess, and, and the rules change. So, I mean, uh, and of course, and in the end, the guys get the girl, or the girl gets the guy, or however it works out. So, you know, again, the parallels to the Hunger Games, is the more you watch the movie, it's more like, oh, wow, this is just like almost paragraph by paragraph with different names and different environment. So, uh, Yeah, it's just in the Hunger Games, I felt uh, a little bit more connected to the characters. These guys seem to be caricatures rather than characters. Yeah, and plus that was part of the campiness. Yeah. You know, you, you didn't connect with anybody in this show. And good God, Schwarzenegger, you know, if you want to see him at his acting worst, this is right up there. Well, it's almost like he was parodying some of his – I don't know if he's intentionally or if that's the way it worked out, but he seemed to be kind of a parody of some of, of his – Of himself, yeah. Yeah. Like I say, especially when he's doling out the lines and when he gave the, you know, I'll be back line, it's just kind of like – Oh, yeah. At, at that point, it just felt, I won't say creepy, it just felt forced or, hey, let's throw something in familiar to, you know, make a tie in to, you know, whatever, the past movies or something. It just, it didn't seem natural. No, not none of it did. Very, very little of the show did. So it, um, I, you know, it's, it's one of those shows I think you, that you need to see. It's a classic. Um, but, it's one of those classics you somewhat sit through and going, okay, check that off the list. We'll not go back there. Well, and it, it's the same thing I said when we were when we were talking about the Hunger Games, and I told my wife about the plot, and she goes, you know, that sounds terrible. I said, you know, go to the subplot, or you know, look at the uh, the context that the movie is presenting there about. You know, and I, I'm always kind of passionate about you know people's freedoms and and uh, government's responsibility and uh, you know kind of the whole societal thing. And look at that movie and what can happen if a government gets you know too strong and starts manipulating the truth and you know kind of coercing its citizens, forcing them or, or manipulating them or you know bending the truth, whatever, to their point of view. Um, those kind of things uh, I always kind of worry me to a degree or another. And I think this movie serves that purpose to kind of remind people that you should always maybe kind of question things. Don't take everything at face value. Think for yourself a little bit. And if the situation is wrong, sometimes you just have to stand up for yourself. And, you know, it may not be pleasant, but sometimes you have to do that to do the right thing. Yeah. And, and uh, you talk about standing up for yourselves, too. There's There's several... Um, instances or examples of that in this sh- this show. You know, you've got uh, Schwarzenegger himself standing up for himself. Duh, that's the point of the movie. But you've got uh, Maria, whatever her name is. Uh, I can't remember what she, her name was in the movie. Was it Amanda? Uh, maybe. I uh, should look it up. It's Amber. Amber. Mendez. There we go. That's why I'm getting messed up with it. Amber. So um, she kind of had that point where she was willing to go along and, and, and be the, well, you call it a stooge for the government until all of a sudden she realizes that that's not the way it really is. And so she stands up for not only herself, but uh, Schwarzenegger as well, whatever. And then, you know, you've got the guys in prison. The thing starts in prison, and they have to break out of prison to begin with. 
So, um, you know, those guys. And then you've got the Mick, who's leading the underground resistance movement, I suppose you could call it, who, um, um, you know, was standing up for their own things, too, in their own way. So... Yeah, you know, I guess that, you know, kind of try to bring a little tech into here. We got a, a couple things, but you know, one of the things, you know, uh, it, there's no real tech that stands out, but there's a couple of pieces that play a little role in the movie here. Right. And I, you know, the first one I was going to bring up was kind of the cut and paste that they did with the uh, the news, uh, the editing of the news, photoshopping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. The the uh, later on when the Jesse uh, Ventura or whatever his Captain Freedom, I think his name was, uh, refused to fight Schwarzenegger. So then they they CGI'd that whole right. that fight scene. See, and that's why I think when we say there's no tech in this, that's because it all exists. I well, mean, yeah. I think if you watch this back in 1987 when it was released, there was a heck of a lot of tech in it. Well, the yeah. problem is, was right now everything that's in there, and I do mean everything. There, I could, I would, I went through and was looking for tech that really doesn't exist currently and there's none we have the even the jet packs they're not common but we have them yeah you know um so it's it's kind of reached the point of like telephones that's oh but we don't talk about them now because they're commonplace right yeah you know the news thing is not a big deal the uh um the the perimeter thing is not a big deal. That's yeah, whatever. Passwords. Hey, that was pretty cool. They actually had a password. I might have to use that one to be honest. Um, but you know, that, to me, that was one of the things that I that I struck me as I was watching this this time. There's nothing in this show that doesn't exist currently. Nothing. We're just like maybe one political party away from some situation like that happening. That's probably the only thing that separates us from yeah, I that mean, scenario. And even the reality TV. I'm yeah. sorry, that was part of the movie too, and that exists. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the whole thing about getting somebody in the audience to give thumbs up or thumbs down. Yeah, it's kind of like let's make a deal meet Survivor with a little you know, violence, right. a little more violence thrown in. Yeah, uh, so it, it and, and great, you know, like you were saying, it's it's put together in a different way. It is not a a uh, a movie that looks like our reality today, at least not exactly. But everything that's in it right exists today, and some of the darker themes in it actually exist today as well. So it and which is why I think it's really instructive to to look at it because you know if you if you look at the Running Man. Uh, it's obviously got a message to to say, um, and you know, you get done with it and go, hmm, <laughs> okay. <laughs> now I well, think I'll watch. You know what, American Idol? Yeah, something a little more. Well, which yeah, here. well, American Idol is the same thing except you well, know, it, there's no death at the end. It's simply you know, well, there's probably an emotional, emotional death crushing. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's 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 an emotional thing rather than physical. But you know, seriously, it's the parallel is so strong. Yeah, and maybe that is the point that we should be looking at the movie. I mean, we have kind of mocked it for some of the lines and you know, and some of the acting, but really, like I say, it, they're tech-wise. I mean, this is a world that's not unlike ours. The only difference is, is the the political climate of the times. That's the only thing that separates us from that. And maybe what we need to take away from that movie is to think about, you know, our society now. Are we on a path? Uh, towards some sort of future like that where this might this kind of future might be a possibility and if it is should we be thinking about what we could do differently as a society and and as individuals to you know avert that kind of uh that kind of future 
Yeah, I guess, you know, one of my takeaways is you, you get done with the running man and go, oh my God, you know, those people were awful. And then you, you know, like I say, flip orders to Survivor or American Idol and think, ah, eh, whatever, you know, no big deal. It's like, ah, wait a minute. Double or, standard. <laughs> Double or standard. Even, even Honey Boo Boo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe not blood and guts, but, you know, it's still, you know, what what will people do? You know, how far will people sell themselves? Although this was not voluntary on, you know, the uh, Schwarzenegger or any of those other people's parts, but how far will people go to be on TV for fame for whatever? Right. And what will, on would, does that translate into something where we do end up with this where we're just going to put the prisoners out there for, you know, sport, kind of like what the Romans did. They would put their prisoners out there. And are we regressing or progressing? Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting movie with the, that you could uh, you could have some deep ethical philosophical d- debates on. But as far as the tech goes, there's really nothing there. The one piece of tech that they missed is that they were still talking about. You know, send your self-addressed stamped envelope to. It's like no, 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 no. You know, yeah. call your local TV station to to get entered in this contest. It's like, uh, okay, that's a little, little. And what? What? Speaking of Richard Dawson, too. What was interesting about that is how that I that was. I, that just rolled off his tongue. I mean, you could tell he'd said that so many thousands oh, of times. It was I'm just like sure. I may not have even been in the script. He just said it. Well, it's kind of like you know, you know. To be honest, when we get to the end and we're doing our spiel, you know, I can, I've probably done it in my sleep now. That yeah. you know, where we can be contacted, so I fully understand how. I'm sure that when he got to that line, he went into autopilot, and his mind was probably somewhere else, and his mouth is just, you know, saying the stuff that needs to be said. So, yep. yeah, I'm sure that was one of the few lines he didn't have to memorize. Yeah, it was. It was kind of again. It was campy enough that every now and then you would just kind of get taken out of the show and and you know the lines would would uh you know kind of stand by themselves and rather than a one-liner there it was just that whole automatic pilot um spiel that he'd go through well you know there was one piece of tech um that uh, I, I guess it made an impression on me as far as the movie goes and that's the 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 ride that they took from the stage down to the uh uh, whatever they called the zone where they sent the people. Uh, you know, there wasn't anything special about it. You got strapped into this uh, cage and shot down there. But, you know, I guess the thing I was thinking about that was it was designed to kind of um, be a um, – well, to terrify the person in it, you wanted them shook up and disoriented when they hit the end of the ride. But, you know, there was the visual effects to it for the audience. It was kind of the flash and the, right. the, the lights and everything. It was a show. Uh, but I thought there was a certain psychological aspect to that for the the people riding in the car on the way down. Oh, I'm sure it was. You know, uh, psychologically, that would totally mess with you. I mean, first off, you've got vertigo. You've got the whole, you know, G-force thing. You're sick to your stomach. And then plus you've gone from one environment to another. So you, you – I, if you've – it was funny. I was flying not too long ago and overheard a conversation – that was describing an experience I have had myself, where you basically were, was on a plane taking a nap up in seat 1B, so that I was staring into the cockpit. This is pre-9-11, so I was staring mm. into the cockpit and woke up as the plane probably dropped. I don't know how far because I was sleeping, but you know the 
all the flight attendants were the flight attendants don't go into panic mode they go into strap it down mode <laughs> and they were that's where they were because i was sitting so close to the cockpit i could see all the lights flashing and the pilots oh, yeah. going into you know checklist mode and i'm like holy you know um and this like i said i was flying recently and some other guy described the same thing and um it made me f- fearful of flying for years to be honest but um that it's that it's that you you were in one place you know i was sitting on this nice plane with this nice ride and got a little sleepy so decided to take a nap and then i woke up in this you know complete different situation and that's what that little tube would do as well you you know you jumped in at the top with people cheering and and the and the the cameras rolling or whatever and then you'd get thrown upside down sideways in this dark tube with lights going by until you're sick to your stomach and you get out and you know you basically entered the gates of hell uh, so it uh, that, well it's completely intentional oh yeah they didn't want you to start the game with any advantage or anything like that no like you know your senses you know okay. <laughs> they took away like three of your senses straight away oh yeah well, and you know, I guess some other tech was like some of the weapons that uh, the uh, the stalkers used. They were kind of interesting. Oh, what a chainsaw! Come on. Well, no, but they had the um, uh, was it Sub Zero? He had the the hockey stick that would cut through steel. Oh, whatever. Well, it's not high tech, <laughs> but it's you know. He did have an exploding puck. That was kind of cool. Yeah. And then you had Dynamo, who what lit up and shot out electricity. Whatever. Well, that was yeah. his downfall, though, when they set off the sprinklers and he got zapped. Wired, yeah. So, uh, you know, like I said, it wasn't. It was uh, amusing. Yeah. Tech, you know, or when the um, uh, the one guy got strangled. I guess it was Sub Zero got strangled with the barbed wire. But you know, that's, uh, um, you know, that that was kind of the extent of the tech in the show. But. Yeah, and well, and the tech. I found it more interesting to to look at like the surveillance tech. You know, they had cameras everywhere. They had a control room. Again, does this sound like Hunger Games? Mm. Um, they had. It also sounds a little bit like Max Headroom. They had the CGI stuff that was going on. So if they didn't like what they were seeing, they could change it. Um, so yeah, the the and then even the um, in camera. In or in cockpit recorders of uh, um, at the very first scene where this supposed massacre takes place, you know, they have in a cockpit recorder camera even on Ben Richards as he's you know saying I'm not going to shoot on these unarmed civilians. Of course, they edit that so it says something else, but the fact that they had that footage um, it says something to the level of surveillance as well. Well, yeah, I was going to say the slice and dice that they did on that film would make a Ginsu knife proud. Oh, heck no. You could do that on your iPhone these days. <laughs> well, yeah, that, yeah. Nowadays, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, I guess you think about it. You, do, you can do that pretty easy on your iPhone. Back then, you know, it, uh, in. Back then, it? it was $10,000 worth of equipment just to get going. Yeah, no. Right. That, that would have, that's one of the differences between then and now, which, you know, to, their, to, to Running Man's credit, they got the time frame right. Like I say, this is supposed to be set in 2015, and mm-hmm. as far as technology goes, they're kind of right on. We're on par. Yeah, yeah, we're we're right there where they, you know, had predicted. Now Richard Dawson is no longer among us, so he won't be able to host the game show. But I'm sure they can find somebody yeah. out there of equal quality. Drew Carey, or I hear Levar Burton wants to do it, or something. I don't know. Hmm, that would just be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, it. it you know the the 
Yeah, from a tech perspective, it's you know, there's nothing really new or earth-shaking in this. Um, we, we, from a filmmaking tech perspective, you talk about your um, low-budget flick. Even on film, it looked bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, this probably, you know, I'm sure this didn't, I don't know, but I'm sure this didn't win any awards or anything like that. And Yeah, it's, you know, it is a campy movie. Um you know, campy, not terrible. Um, and like I say, I for me, there was a message in there that if you think about it, that uh, you know, a societal message. Actually, it did win an award. Oh my! Yeah, best supporting actor for Richard Dawson. Well, okay. I mean, of course, how hard was this role for him? I mean, I know nothing it wasn't about a the role. Ma- yeah, I don't know nothing about the man personally, but I could just see him. It wouldn't be that big a stretch just to. Uh, you know, it's kind of the it's show business baby type uh, right. mentality that they brought to this. I don't think yep. it'd be that big a stretch to, you know, we got to get our ratings up. We got to, you know, oh, do whatever. Oh, yeah. God, the the power of ratings. Ugh, the, that isn't a dead on um, statement. And oh, let me clarify, too. Best Supporting Actor was uh, an award given by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films, not like the Academy of Arts or anything. Okay. Well, <laughs> so. I don't know who the contenders were that year, so we'll cut them a little slack, I yeah. suppose. Right. Okay. Yeah, so it's not like a big award, but okay. And, but like I say, in his in that role, he was you know convincing. I can't he really was. say anything bad about his, his performance. No, and you know, with all the big name can we call them big name actors? With all the familiar name actors, you know, I, you got to say that Richard Dawson had the best performance. I mean, yeah, because you know Arnold. Arnold was he, Arnold. Yeah, well, but even for him, it just seemed like it was, I don't know, forced or yeah, you know, uh, like contrived, it was contrived, yeah, or contractually obligated to do this movie or something. And uh, and like I said, he may have signed on, and then they got brought in that different director, and that may have changed the whole. Because it said this was based on a Stephen King book. And maybe that's what drew him in, but then it didn't come out the way that he thought it was going to. So maybe he's just kind of, well, I'm, you know, I got to do this film, so we'll do it. But you know, I, he didn't bring any real passion to it. It seemed like he was walking through it, and the rest were trying. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, as far as a, you know, if I had to give this movie a rating, I would still, it's uh, IMDb lists it as one of the top five thousand. I would still put it in there as like a B plus movie to watch. Yeah. But from from an acting standpoint, oh C minus, you know. Oh yeah. Yeah. From a from a, a campiness or a, you know a visual quality type of thing, oh you know C. But it, it, I think it's the story. I think it's the the message perhaps that mm-hmm. that uh, makes it a little more classic or timeless or worthwhile, which you know is what pulls it up that extra letter grade. Yeah, because uh, yeah, it's, the acting isn't terrible, but yeah, it's it's the message that I think would make it. And you know, I would say this. I I guess I'd recommend this to people to watch. Uh, you know, with the right subtext, to watch the the. The, the plot. You know what's interesting in here is that uh, almost like half the characters are pretty much using their real name. <laughs> it's, oh, it's, yeah. yeah. You know, um, uh, Gus Ricewich is Buzzsaw, which is as Bernard Gus Ricewich. Um, 
well, Jesse Ventura is Captain Freedom. That really isn't that far of a stretch from his real name. No. Um, Sven Ole Thorson was as Sven. Edward Bunker was went as Lenny as Eddie Bunker. You know, so you know Richard Dawson's name. Again, the the one character who really did have his name changed. Uh, you gotta love the character's name of Damon Killian. You know, you got yeah. it back in eighty sevens. Um, Damien. The hell book was that? Damien. Um, um, Stephen King book. Anyway, the not the Exorcist was it the Exorcist? No, anyway, Child from Hell. We all know Damien is Child from Hell. Oh, so yeah. you had um, Richard Dawson as Damon Killian. <laughs> oh God, really? <laughs> anyway, so that was kind of funny. Uh, yeah, and there's I think uh, there was several wrestlers in here. I think uh, you know portraying Jim, Jim Brown. Football oh, yeah. player, yep, he was yeah. there. Jesse and, Ventura, and Yap at Kodo, he's always um, played the, um, the kind of the heavy, the um, the villain, I guess. Uh, so it wasn't too. Hard. Although this time he wasn't the villain, he was no, one he, of the freedom fighters. Yeah, he was one of the good guys. He was one of those, uh, you know, lay down your life for another type of guys. Uh, yeah, so I mean, there was uh, uh, quite a few recognizable, you know, people in here, um, and I guess that's what kind of made it interesting too. Um, you know, Maria Conchito Alonso, uh, she's done a few things. I've always kind of liked her, and you know, boy, did she play that role up? I mean, I, I don't know what the script called for, but she went into Latina mode. <laughs> almost as easily as I go into Minnesota accent mode, you know, you just slip into the whole thing really easy. I mean, she went into the uh, the whole talking a thousand words a minute and yep. you know na- nagging or whatever, you know, the the stereotype, uh, I suppose you could call it. But she used it to great effect, I think, in this show. I mean, not that it was great acting, but it was it was the right touch for that character. Yeah, and especially like when they're trying to get, uh, Arnold's using her as a hostage to get away, and you know she they're kind of chatting with each other. Yeah, it's a hostage situation, but they're chatting with each other. Right. Yeah. You know, it was a little you know over the top, but you know they they had some uh, uh, you know wor- uh, word play with each other, or whatever. And I think there was a line in there. Uh, Arnold's wearing this Hawaiian shirt, and she says something about, I think I'm going to throw up, and he said on this shirt, who would be able to tell the difference? Uh, right. Um, you know, so I thought, but it was it was fun. You know, let's just put it that way, I guess. Yeah, you know, and that's a good way. As much as I think it's got a serious message, and, you know, it's dark. It's a dark movie. Um, it's fun, too, because mm-hmm. it, I think the campiness just makes it fun. You, when you get all said and done, it's almost like guy gets girl and saves the world type of show. Yeah, where, yeah, and I guess that, the difference between that and the Hunger Games, the Hunger Games is there's no camp, there's no, Mm-mm. not a lot of brightness to it. Uh, I, I can't exactly put it in the words, but I mean, there's not a, well at the end there when you know the the couple you know wins, um, there's a, a possibility for some hope there. But I mean, otherwise, it's a lot of you know death and darkness and there's death and darkness in this one but it the way it's played it's not hitting you over the head uh type stuff it's more i don't know palatable um comic almost yeah in yeah in a comical way so and maybe that's what kind of the combination of the plot and the lightness of the of the, the way it's played kind of makes it palatable you know and one of the differences too between hunger games and running man is at the end of hunger games yes they won but, but. 
<laughs> Whereas with the running man is, oh, they won, and now they're going to live happily every after and right off into the sunset, which is literally like the last scene. You right. Know. They um, didn't so, obviously have a sequel in mind for this one. No. So, I mean, it, it very much wraps up. There's closure with this show. I mean, obviously, you could sit here and if they if Hollywood demanded a sequel, you could come out with one about, you know, how they pick up the pieces and, and you know, how the show, The Running Man, rebuilds and blah, blah, blah. But um, from, from a movie standpoint, it's over. Yeah. Whereas The Hunger Games, it, it's over, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they could have, you know, I suppose they could have gone uh, gone back and done a Running Man too, but I think that's going back to the well one too many times. Unless yeah. you brought in somebody who could write the story, you know, and maybe they could do it right, but I don't always have hopes for Hollywood. No, plus you really didn't get that, that invested in the characters that you really cared no. after this. You know, fine, they saved each other. The guy got the girl, girl got the guy, whatever. Yeah, moving on. Right. Right. So. Bad guy got his. I mean, it all wrapped up in typical Hollywood style. Yeah, yeah. so... Okay, well, you know, uh, normally we kind of wrap up these shows with, you know, if you could have one of these pieces of tech, which would it be? So um, given that we pretty much have everything that was portrayed. Uh, yeah, we're, we're there. I mean, we got it. So it's you know, it's kind of a null point, I guess. So. Yeah, I you know, I suppose you could argue that, well, shoot. You know, that even that, I was about to say that tube thing, because that looks like one heck of an amusement park ride. But you know what? That's a heck of an amusement park ride. We have that too. So yeah, if you're into that sort of stuff, right? Um, well, why don't we do this a little differently this time? Okay, well, who was your favorite villain then, or favorite stalker? Favorite stalker. Okay, I'm from Minnesota. I'm just <laughs> Sub Zero. Yeah, you know yeah. the hockey stick in the whole you know ice thing. That that was pretty cool. I have to admit, you know, and the the idea that some villain's going to show up on hockey. Outfit, I mean, like goalie uniform. <laughs> it's kind of t- playing on the Jason theme a little bit too, maybe. I don't know, but I suppose because Dynamo didn't do a thing for me. Um, I just the fact that he was singing opera. Not that I'm in the opera or any of that kind of stuff, but just the fact that he would break out in the song. He just was kind of different. Well, plus the whole you know I'm covered in Christmas light thing just struck me as completely ridiculous rather than yeah. frightening. Yeah. Oh yeah, who wants you're being attacked by a Christmas tree? How right, bad? yeah. It's like okay, whatever. But okay, so no villains. How's that? No villains. Okay. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can always check us out at SciFiTechTalk.com or follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have ideas or comments, please send them to SciFiTechTalk at gmail.com. And reviews on iTunes are always welcome. So, Mike, where can people find you in between now and the next episode? Well, I can be found on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and I have an about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak where you can see my other podcasts and whatever strikes my fancy. So that's where I can be found. All right. And I, too, can be found on Twitter at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L. And links to my other blogs, podcasts, or whatever else I've got going on is at about.me slash Julie Keel. So that's it for this show, and we'll see you in the future. It's the sci-fi tech talk.